Well, for the past six weeks, we've been looking at some of the hard sayings of Jesus, and in many ways, as we draw that teaching series to a close, we're looking at one of the hardest. If not the hardest, certainly one of the most familiar. Love your enemies. When someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek to them as well. So I'd like to read to you from that passage of Scripture. And if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to invite you to open them to Luke chapter 6. Or in your devices, you can follow along. We're going to read a section from 24 to 31. And then a little bit of the epilogue in verses 35 and 36. Luke 6, verse 24. Woe to you who are rich. For you have already received your comfort, and woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. But to you who are listening, I say this, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek as well. And if someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And then in verse 35, love your enemies. Do good to them. And then your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High, because he's kind to the grateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. There are lots of hard sayings in the Bible. Uh, I chose this one for today, Edmund, knowing that we would be honoring you Um, not because you're the first name that comes to mind when I hear the command, love your enemies. You have have been my pastor, you have been my confidant, and you've been my friend. But I hope you'll see as we unpack the verse that there is an incredible balance necessary in the life of a follower of Jesus. And I've seen it in you, Edmund. So in a sense... This is for God and this is for all of us, but this is also for you today. Many of the great religions of the world share a lot of ethical common ground. They have laws and they have prophecies and they have principles and they all talk about the importance not of engaging in some of the terrible things like killing and murder and theft. And they have laws that promote truth-telling and caring for your family and looking out for those who are in need. But then comes Jesus. And Jesus affirms all of those things, but then he breaks through all of the conventional principles of morality. And he just, he kind of soars right up there into the stratosphere. And he offers the most radical ethic of love that I think anyone has ever presented. C.S. Lewis, great Oxford scholar, wrote a book where he examined the common ground of all religions. He called it the Tao of religions. The book was the abolition of man. And he found all of these all these threads that weave themselves through the religions of the world, the things they have in common. It was impressive. But this is the one thing you're not going to find all over the place. In fact, you're only going to find it here in this one place. Love your enemies. And if somebody slaps you in the cheek, 
turn to them the other. Now, what does that mean? I mean on the one hand, it, it, it feels impossible, right? Uh, on the other hand, there's the sense in which you hear it, and, and we have the feeling that there is something sublime about it. But still, we want to recoil, right? It's sublime, but can Jesus really have meant it? Or is he just a preacher exaggerating for effect? Because because also we want to say, well, that's a pretty lofty view of love. And yeah, we aspire to it, but we're never going to get there. Love your enemies. Come on, Jesus. I mean, a little bit of religion is okay, but, but we know that that's just an exaggeration. Are you really saying we should let those who have harmed us walk all over us? Yeah, do we really stick our chin out there to be battered again? Is that what, is that what Jesus is getting at? Well, I want to say yes, but also I want to say emphatically no. Uh, That what Jesus is doing here is expounding on a really important, a key principle of the Old Testament, a theme that you see running all the way through the Bible, including the New Testament from its beginning to its end. And it's this idea of balance in the godly life. Let me show you what... What I think Jesus is really trying to unpack here, if you have your Bibles, there's another really uh, a key verse, a beautiful, challenging verse, Micah, the Old Testament book of Micah, in chapter 6, verse 8, where in answer to a presumed question, Micah says, what is it the Lord requires of you? Well, here it is. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. And as you, as you hear those verses, I, I want you to picture a mobile, that, not a mobile phone, not the thing in your lap. But you remember, like we, do they still do these, all you new parents out there? It, above the crib, you would hang a mobile, and, and it would have a balance beam, and on the end of the beam were couple of cuddly critters, and then below that was another balance beam, and on that lower beam there were two more fuzzy animals. And, but, but if anything came off, um, the whole thing was thrown out of balance. It, just, it sort of hung there awkwardly. That's, that's the image I want you to think about in this verse. In the Bible, we have this remarkable sense of balance. There's a balance between the tough and the tender. It's a balance between the courageous and the sweet. And the person who's aspiring to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to live a godly life, we're trying to hold these two things in remarkable balance. Do justice, but love kindness. And you see it here in the words of Jesus. On the one hand, he says, Woe to all of you, you oppressors. Woe to you who live lives of comfort. It sounds like a call to revolution. A challenge to the injustices of the world. But then, immediately, turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. There's this balance there between the tough and the tender. And then there's this other balance that hangs underneath that balance. Think again about the mobile. It's a balance between an outer posture of activism, the call to make a tangible difference in the world, and an inner sense of peace. Walk humbly with your God. That's an inner state, isn't it? So you have this balance going on. I want to look just briefly with you 
at those two balancing beams that we try and hold together. Here's the first, that that balance between justice and kindness. Uh, Jesus starts out on the justice side. Woe to you, you oppressors. Woe to you, you who are seeking only after comfort, hoarding wealth. Woe to you. He denounces injustice. It's a theme all the way through the Bible. A godly person is actively concerned with injustice. One of the great examples in the Bible is old Job. So if you have your Bibles again, Job chapter 29. Job 29, verse 12. And listen to Job reflect on his life. Much as, Edmund, you stood at the piano and reflected with us and took us back. Job is reflecting back on the journey of his life. And here's what he says. I rescued the poor and those who cried for help and the fatherless and those who had none to assist them. And the one who was dying blessed me and made my, my widow's heart sing. And I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was made into my robe and my turban. And my eyes were lifted up to the blind and my feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. And I took up the case of the stranger. And I broke the fangs of the wicked. And I snatched the victim from their teeth. What an epitaph. The law of God in the Old Testament said that whether you were a stranger or a native, rich or poor, man or woman, whether you were born into the right family or the wrong family, no matter whether you're whole or you're blind and you're lame, that there was respect owed to you because you were made in the image of God and you had an inherent sacred dignity. And there had to be respect. That's why so much of the law was caring for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the stranger. Because they too were fashioned in the image of God. Job looked around and he saw all of these corrupt practices in his day that would compromise the life and the safety of those who are most vulnerable. What is it that he did? He said, I put on justice like a turban. I wrapped it around me like a robe. And I went to bat for them. I broke the fangs of the wicked. I made them drop the victims from their teeth. It sure doesn't sound like wimpy turn the other cheek talk, does it? And it's not. It's absolutely not. The Bible tells us that we were made in the image of God. And though we don't know everything that that means, it means that there is a sanctity about every human being, a sacredness. And whether they're rich or poor, man or woman, native or alien, everyone is sacred and they deserve justice. And God calls godly people to carry this passion for justice. Jesus makes the same point again and again and again. Woe to you who are laughing. Woe to you who are well fed. Woe to you. You will be brought down. The oppressed will be brought down. But then listen for the balancing note. As soon as Jesus says, woe to you, he shifts and says, but now hear this. You should also have love for your enemies. You should pray for those who are mistreating you. And if somebody strikes you on the cheek, you don't hit back, you offer the other one also. What's he getting at here? Do justice, but love kindness. Let's try and, and dig in just a little bit deeper, because I, I think this is a passage that, that has been very often misread, and maybe people have been even misled 
in how to interpret and how to apply it? How is it that you can carry within you at the same time a passion and a concern for justice and yet turn the cheek when somebody mistreats you? That's not just. Aren't the two things at odd? Uh, Some people would misunderstand this as Jesus saying, if somebody mistreats you, don't stop them from mistreating you. Just take it. Just hang your chin out there until they knock you out cold. People look to this passage sometimes as a, as a basis for pacifism, for example, that you shouldn't have a standing army to stop other nations from invading your nation. Uh, they say sometimes it has application to international relations, how nations get along with nations. I don't know whether that's Jesus' point here, or whether that's what he's getting at, and I'm not really wanting to do that, though we should talk about those themes at a later date. But I do want to dig into exactly what Jesus probably did mean here, because it's, as is often the case with Jesus, it's a lot more balanced, a lot more nuanced than sometimes we think. If you're going to really attack somebody, you don't aim for the cheek, right? I mean, at least if it were a fist, you'd aim for the jaw, but by and large, we aim for the heart, the, the middle of the body. If you really want to do violence to somebody, it's not the cheek. A slap on the cheek, you know this, is not an attack so much as it is, what? An insult, right? It's not an assault on your physical safety, it's an assault on your honor. It's a personal affront. And maybe what Jesus is getting at here when he says, turn the other cheek, again, it's really radical, but it's also exquisitely balanced. Maybe what he's saying is, there needs to be this spirit in my followers that's different than what would normally find itself rooted in the human heart. A spirit that can be filled with passionate concern for justice, but Very little concern for your own image and your own ego and saving face out there in the world. My followers, Jesus is is getting at. My followers aren't primarily concerned about appearances. What they're passionate about is justice. But they're going to go about it, not motivated by vindictiveness or vengefulness or spite. Do you feel the difference? The Christian response is on the inside to be forgiving and to to try and cultivate a kind of warmth that allows them to be at peace, but on the outside to be bold and to be vigilant and to stand up in opposition to things that are unjust, to speak truth, and sometimes to speak it right in the face of power in ways that have consequences. Let me me put it another way, just to follow the the metaphor. Uh, Maybe what Jesus is saying is that on the one hand, when somebody strikes you on the cheek, you don't let them keep hitting you, but you don't hit them back. What you do is you offer the other cheek. What you're doing is putting the relationship on a new footing, offering the chance to start differently. I've received your blow to my honor. Here's the other side. Is that really what you wanted to do? Or can we find a different way forward? You don't withdraw. You don't back down. But you also don't retaliate. And especially this, you don't allow vengefulness to gnaw away at you. You put the relationship on a new footing. That's what it means, I think, to turn the other cheek. 
I want a relationship. But going forward, it's going to have to be on a new footing. Can we work towards that? Backing away isn't courageous. It's probably my natural impulse is just to back away and hide. It's it's not courageous, and that's, that's not what Jesus is getting at. I think a lot of us live in in pseudo-community. That was M. Scott Peck's expression. Remember Scott Peck from long ago? Pseudo-community means that the relationships are there, but they're kind of superficial because nobody wants to rock the boat. Nobody wants to say anything except what they know is safe. We want to keep the conversation civil. And when you start telling the truth, when you start really being concerned about justice, things get messy, and we don't like it messy, especially in the church. So we often just don't get below the surface by saying the true things, the necessary things that need to be said. I suppose that there are people who will object. You know, if if you're always forgiving, you're not really winning over injustice. In fact, what you really need to do is get in touch with your anger. I mean, don't you hear that? That's the, that's the buzz of the day. Get in touch with your inner anger. Anger. I mean, of course you have to get in touch with your anger. You're not going to be able to forgive if you don't know what you're forgiving. You have to be honest about what the result has been in your life. But getting in touch with your anger is not an end in itself. It's the means to a greater end so that you can overcome and release the anger. Love your enemies can't mean let them get away with whatever they want. That's not justice. It's not loving to let somebody sin and go on sinning. It's not loving to let people do evil. It's not loving. Love your enemies can't mean you never oppose mistreatment. But it means that you can oppose mistreatment in such a way that you can continue to show concern without vindictiveness. Somebody owes you something or they've mistreated you. Maybe what Jesus is really driving at when he says, turn the other cheek, is what he says again and again and again to a world where we still struggle with what that means. You're going to need to forgive. Doesn't mean you trust the person. Not right away. I mean, heck no. As a matter of fact, sometimes the only way that you move on after forgiveness is by erecting fairly clear boundaries that say, I want a relationship with you, but until we can get this on a just footing, there are going to be these barriers in our relationship. And they're there for my protection and for yours. But if you don't forgive, then you've lost to injustice. Let me just emphasize that. If you're bitter then you remain under the control of the person who wronged you. Your thoughts are under their control. You're still thinking about them. In a sense, your past has you by the throat. Always. Until you forgive, mistreatment has won. Until you forgive, the injustice has beaten you down. And you haven't overcome it. You overcome evil, as the Bible says again and again and again, with good. To do justice... Without loving kindness means you're not really overcoming injustice. But to love kindness without doing justice means that you're really not loving at all. Do justice, love kindness, hold them in balance. 
Don't let them keep slapping you. Don't slap them. Turn the other cheek. Start the relationship in a new way. Be valiant for justice and for kindness. Speak up. Speak the truth in love. But then finally this. Remember there was a balance beam under the balance beam. Uh, I, I hear myself saying these words and say, okay, Ruth, that's impossible. I mean, I, even as I'm saying them, how do we do that? Well, here, here it is. It's the beam under the beam. Walk humbly with your God. That little epilogue, verses 35 and 36. You will be children of the Most High. Be merciful. How? Be merciful because, or just as, your Father in Heaven is merciful. You remember last week we were talking about adoption? Uh, if you're with us or if not, tune in. It's, a, it, it's such a key image to understanding what God is doing in the world, adopting people into his family. Well, here's the description that, uh, that the Bible gives of us before we get adopted. Romans 5.10. Even while we were enemies, Christ died for us and in doing so reconciled us to God. If, if you feel like you're in that, that wonderful place, that posture, you have been reconciled, you've been adopted into the family of God, and you know it's come only as an act of grace, sheer grace, you recognize that you were alienated and, and set apart, described even as an enemy, but now that he's your father, and he's your father strictly as an act of goodness and grace, then how can you bear in your heart unremitting bitterness and hatred for an enemy when in fact that was your posture before God, an enemy, but now adopted into the family of God. For anybody who grasps that, your heart begins to melt a little bit. And where things have grown calcified and hard, they begin to soften. And this dynamic force, kind of like a little fire, catches in your life. If you go out there and just try and force forgiveness, you're going to be frustrated. But, but if you're merciful because deep down you've received that healing balm, that gift of grace that says, God was merciful to me, adopted me, even, even when I was in opposition, even when I was an enemy, that thought melts you completely. It allows you to do exactly what Jesus asks, as impossible as it sounds. Love your enemy. Turn the other cheek. Change the world as it is. How? Do justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly with your God. Let me pray for you, and then we'll invite the worship team to come and close. Lord, if there are people who are here today or watching us and they find themselves in the midst of, of some specific situation where they need to apply this teaching, we pray for them specifically. Lord, for others, maybe we're not in the middle of such things, but we know they're inevitable. So we pray for all of us that you would change us. Change us because we've considered this hard teaching from your word today. Make it like a fire in our bones. Help us to understand these things, to apply these things in Jesus' name and in the Spirit's power. Through Christ we pray. Amen.